didn't see it on the calendar, I wouldn't have known it. Uh, but uh, sometimes we have uh, grandparents that are not really our grandparents. Uh, every church I've been in, we've had a, a grandma Lois, or we've had a, a grandma Eunice, or we've had a different different people that we called grandma that maybe never had any children, or they weren't really grandparents, uh, grandparent to anybody. How uh, many of you uh, either are an adopted type grandparent like that, or you are a grandparent? Let's let's see your hand. You are a grandparent. Amen. Praise. We want to thank the Lord for you. And uh, if you ever see a, a man standing out and there's children standing in front of him, he's got his wallet open, he's handing money out, that means he's a grandpa. I can do that's, that's, uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we are thankful for you and your impact uh, and influence on your children and grandchildren. Usually when we get to be grandparents, we have 21 between us, Lynn and I, grandchildren, and usually the only input we have is when they ask us um, for input. I want to thank the Lord for the ball game yesterday. I mean, guys that played ball yesterday, they're, they're all here. Uh, that is just nothing but short of a miracle. Short of a miracle. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I, uh, I pitched for over 30 years um, at, you know, as a pastor, 72 years old now. I know my limitations now. There are a lot more of them, uh, limitations now. But I pitched for 30 years. I don't know that uh, when that shot comes back to the mound real quick now, I don't know if I can get my glove up in time or not. Uh, Jesse got his up a few times uh, yesterday. Uh, But it reminded me of the importance of in this church, that ball game reminded me of the fact that we're a team. We're a team. And each person is important. Each person ought to be encouraging other people on the team. Spiritually, we are as a church family. Now, yesterday, I don't agree with anything that Michael Jackson did or Michael Jackson stood for. But there were a few guys out there yesterday that reminded me of Michael Jackson. They had a glove on one hand for no apparent reason at all. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. What a time. What a time we had. Today in our message, we're looking at this conflict that Paul had of being caught in the middle. He was, he was between, do I need to go and be with Christ or do I need to stay? I've coached baseball many years, my boys, uh, whatever they, whatever leagues they were in, we coached them. And then sometimes I was coaching the older one and the younger one in two different leagues. If we, they played on different nights at the YMCA there in Irmo, uh, South Carolina. It was across the street from our church, the YMCA was. But uh, I, I love little, little kids and coaching them. Uh, a little boy was on third base one time. And we always, I don't care what league we're in, I don't care whether it's we're in the t-ball or we're in the coach's pitch or we're, we're the, the boys pitch, we're, we're always the first practice. We take a tour and show this is home plate. 
We're walking all the way over here. This is first base, and this is second base, and this is third base. Had a little boy on third base, and I was coaching, and I said, son, when that ball leaves the bat, you head home. That fella hit the ball like that. He left third base, went right over the dugout, got his stuff like he was going back to the house. <laughs> Just like, go home. Another little boy, he was caught in the middle. He was, this was actually in the coach's pitch. He did not play T-ball. Uh, T-ball. Uh, yesterday, some of the players reminded me of T-ball because the most important thing was the snacks. Uh, so that's when he played coach. But... But this little boy did not play T-ball, but we still, in that coaches pitch league, took that tour, first base, second base, third base, home. We did that, you know, let them run around there and showed them where the bases are. First game, his first at bat in coaches pitch. And you got to, one of the biggest things is to try to keep them in the box. They, they, they always want to pull that foot out the box. And so we kept it, he, he, got, he kept in the box. And he, got, he made contact with the ball. The very first at bat now in the coach's pitch, he made contact with the ball. But he looked to where he was supposed to go. He looked down at third base. Am I supposed to go that way? He looked at first base. Am I supposed to go that way? He was caught in the middle like the Apostle Paul. So what did he do? He ran right across the pitcher's mound, went right on to second base, right from home. <laughs> He was caught in the middle. The apostle Paul finds himself in a big predicament in his life. He, he loves Jesus. He's got a focus on heaven. But he said, I'm caught in the middle. Do I go on to heaven and be with Christ? Or do I stay with you down here? I love this passage of scripture. It's tremendous. I, I love talking about heaven. We sang songs today about heaven. Mrs. Comfort played a song, one of my favorite. Matter of fact, when she plays the piano, there, you can almost hear the words as she's playing. I appreciate this brother playing the trumpet today too. Um, my son, all of our kids, they were homeschooled, but we, they took piano lessons and we wanted them to to play until they could play out of that hymn book. Well, my youngest, the one that's the CPA accountant today, he came to me finally and he said, Daddy, I just don't, I don't really like piano. He said, could I play trumpet? And uh, we bought him a trumpet. And on the first few lessons, brother, every moose in our neighborhood came to our backyard. <laughs> But he developed into a very good trumpet player and played in our orchestra at church and uh, just did a good job. But I appreciate you playing today. And those that play musical instruments here, we want you to know how much we appreciate you. The Apostle Paul, his whole life was to magnify Christ. And he says that in verse 20. If you'll look with me at Philippians chapter 1. He talks about magnifying the Lord. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified 
in my body. And he said, whether it be by life or by death. Our lives, like a telescope, should bring Jesus closer in view to people. Paul's life and his testimony, his now in prison, going through the trials that he's going through and how he's facing those with Christ, he magnified Jesus. Warren Wiersbe speaks of, he said, a little Christ to some should look big when our life is a microscope. As he is closer in our eye and he brings, we should bring them to see that Christ is big in our life. Paul had a struggle, caught in the middle. I want to be with Jesus. I want to stay. For about 10 years, I have served as a hospice chaplain. The last place was over in beach area here of North Carolina. That's Southport, Calabash, Holden Beach, uh, Ocean Isle Beach, uh, in that Brunswick County area, Leland also. But serving as a hospice chaplain, I get the chance to be with people at the end of their life. And I find Christians who are caught in the middle. I want to be with Jesus, but I want to stay here. By the way, God's not going to take us a day early. He's not taking us a day late. Whatever he does, he does on time. Paul is caught now in that in the middle stage. He is now finding himself saying, look, I want to glorify you, whether it's by death or it's by life. Several years ago, a pastor friend of mine at a graveside funeral service read this text. It is not death to die. To leave this weary road and join the saints who dwell on high, who found their home with God, it is not death to die. Here's what Paul was, was knowing in his own heart, and he was knowing that he, he wanted to be with Jesus, but should I stay? Waking in the joy of God's throne, dwell a delivered from all our fears. Hear the key unlock the door that sets us free from mortal years to praise God forevermore. It is not death to die. The Apostle Paul said in verse 22 of Philippians 1, he says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want, and I, I know not, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Or, he said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, Philippian believers. 
in Petra years ago, about 40 years ago in Jordan while on a trip to, to uh, Israel. We went down to Petra and the rocks on each side, the rock walls on each side there in Petra. You're, you're, you say, I, I really can't go this way and I can't go this way. It pushes us straight forward. I thought of Paul's admonition to the Colossian believers to set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Paul was in that straight betwixt to hard pressed to which way he should go, although God was making the decision. He knew of the joys of heaven. We know about it. Revelation chapter 21 tells us it's a place of no tears, no crying, no pain, and no more death. And a wonderful place called heaven. My wife died 13 years ago this month. I was at her bedside in uh, Irmo, South Carolina, in our home when she passed of cancer. And the kids were sitting, standing around the, the bed the night before. I've caught a glimpse of that heavenly land. Praise God, I'm going home. Martha Jansen, uh, Dr. Eliezer Jansen was my music director in Irmo. And Martha, his wife, our piano player at the church, also sang beautiful specials. She sang a song called Finally Home. When engulfed by the terror of tempestuous sea, unknown ways before you roll, at the end of doubt and peril is eternity. Though fear and conflict seize my soul, just think of stepping on shore. And finding it heaven. Of touching a hand. And finding it God's. Of breathing new air. And finding it celestial. Of waking up in glory. And finding it home. Home. Some call it paradise. Some call it heaven. But I'll just choose to call it home. The apostle Paul knew all about. The joys of seeing Christ face to face. He knew the, the victory that could be his. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. There's no such thing as soul sleep. In verse 23, Paul said, to depart and be with Christ. There's no in-between stage. Our last breath down here, for those of us that know Jesus, is a new breath up there. And he said to depart and to be with Christ. It's even far better. And he went that... In, in the Greek, it's, it's a, a high superlative. I mean, it is saying, this is the best if I get to go and be with Jesus. The idea of departing here, he said, having a desire to depart literally means to take down your tent and move on. It's sometimes used by 
sailors to say, I'm, I'm unloosing from the dock. I'm untying the rope and we're going to sail now. A farmer would use the same term to unyoke the oxen when all of our burdens can be removed. I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside. One day we'll go to be with Jesus. Paul knew all about that going to be with him. He knew about catching a glimpse of his heavenly land and going home. For death is not a destination. It's a process. Probably the most quoted verse at funerals, and I've used it many times. I've preached funerals, not only in the church, but in hospice. And then for funeral homes, I'm now on the list for eight different funeral homes in the Rock Hill area. Haven't been called since I moved over there, but on the list for people who do not have a pastor who would like somebody to do their service. By the way, that number of people who claim no church at all is growing rapidly. But we use the 23rd Psalm in almost every funeral service. It was never written for a funeral service. David writing it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse 4 he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice through. It's not a, not a destination. He says, I will fear no evil. I can tell you that just in those 10 years of serving so far as a hospice chaplain, the number of times we've quoted that verse to people who are on their deathbed. That you are being carried through the valley of the shadow. It's a shadow of death. He says, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. <laughs> we can do anything as long as we know God's with us. He said, uh, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And here is the apostle Paul saying, I know about going to be with Jesus and I am caught in the middle. And he says, yet I have a desire to be with you. He's, fine. he's in, in prison at this time. He knows that even, he's not really, not, matter of fact, being in prison has caused other people to be more bold in their witness for Christ. His own testimony has caused others to give the gospel more effectively. Isn't it interesting? Uh, there's grandparents day that I recognize. We have a fear of getting old. And then we also have a fear that we may not get old. We're concerned about whether we're increasing in years and then we're concerned whether we are going to be increasing in years. He finds himself in this straight betwixt two, caught in the middle, and in the midst of that, he still is rejoicing and knows that when he comes to be with them again, as he would like, that they will be rejoicing. But his focus is found in the key verse in our text. And I'd like for you to make sure that you're looking at it because I want you 
to read it out loud with me in just a moment. Verse 21, Philippians 1. Read it with me. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live. We sang that or we'll sing it at the end of our service today. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. By the way, suicide is not an option. Matter of fact, suicide is one of the most selfish things a person can do. Paul has said in chapter 2, we preached about it our very first Sunday here. Philippians 2 verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowness of mind. Notice he says, let each esteem other better than themselves. Paul was thinking, if I go to be with Jesus, I'm going to be leaving you. I, you, you would be growing spiritually and the gospel would be going forth if I get to stay. He was thinking more actually of them than he was of himself. He says in verse 4 of chapter 2, Look not every man on his own things or his own interest, but every man also on the things or the interest of others. He said, I, my, my desire is to really to be with Jesus. But I want to stay too at the same time to be with you. But that single focus for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Every team member, as we talked about, the ball team is a necessary part. Paul was a necessary part of that team as well. And those others that were in Philippi, a necessary part of the team. I think of necessary team members. John Mark, who had defected on that first missionary journey. The apostle Paul said later, said, I want you to bring John Mark, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Here in Philippians chapter 2, he says of Timothy, look at verse 19, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus or Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know of your state. I would like to know how you're doing spiritually. But he says of Timothy, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, who will be concerned about your spiritual welfare. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. People are more interested in their own desires than they are in those of Christ. And Timothy, he's concerned about you spiritually. I love that. I love that statement about him. He's needful. Timothy is needful. By the way, you are needful as well. Then he says in Philippians chapter 1, he says this, verse 25, And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. The gospel is going to be advanced. If I can abide with you, encourage you, that your rejoicing, there's the key word in the book of Philippians, joy and rejoicing, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me all, uh, for me by my coming unto you again. The word rejoicing there that he uses is a word only used there. It's not the same common word for joy that's used throughout the rest of the book. It's talks, it talks about exuberance. 
I mean, you're going to be really rejoicing if I come and we'll be able to see the work of God furthered if I get to come. Those that are interested, he was interested in the spiritual progress of those believers at Philippi. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, we see again the apostle Paul and just his own interest. I think about his, his, his desire is caught in the middle. He says in Acts 20 and verse 24, for none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with, and here's that word, I finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He, Paul wanted to live this life, but he wanted to live his life like he was leaving. He did want to set his affections on things above. He wanted to occupy till Christ came for him. And he said, for me to live is Christ. What about for you and me? If we would fill in that blank, for me to live is, for some, it would be golf. For some, it would be fishing or baseball or sports or my music or my family or entertainment or physical pleasure, or travel, or money. A couple of years ago in Holden Beach, North Carolina, I, there was a man, he was from uh, the Philadelphia area. He'd made a tremendous amount of money. He was in his last couple of months of life. He spent the entire day sitting in a wheelchair in his bedroom watching the stock market report. His daughter said, uh, Chaplin said, my dad, I wish he didn't do this, but he's made money, he's invested money, and that's all that consumes him now. For me to live is money or the stock market. For me to live is possessions. For me to live is my phone or my video games or exercise or drugs or my car or truck or relationship or my career. When I was in college, first saved 52 years ago, I remember a guy speaking to us in a Bible study. And he says to the college students, you could say it to military people, you could say it to anyone today. He said, uh, he was preaching on this passage of scripture. He said, for many, they focus on cars, careers, cuties, and cash. I'll start with C. He said, for Paul, it was Christ. For me to live is Christ. In our counseling work, probably the number one verse that I use in counseling, you would want to mark it in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you know, says, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know that one. 
But notice verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5 and think of it in light of the Apostle Paul saying, for me to live is Christ. Verse 14, he said, the love of Christ constrained him. In verse 15, he says, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. There it is. It's not about me. But he says this, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's the one we're to be living for. And he said, for me to live is Christ. Paul found joy in the midst of circumstances. He found that ministering to others and sharing the gospel would advance the gospel by his own testimony and how he was even dealing with the trials. He loved ministering to others and seeing them grow in Jesus Christ as well and seeing them help others to grow. And these grandparents that we recognize today, the opportunities and the privilege of praying for your grandchildren. We're going to talk about tonight praying for one another and what we pray for. Paul was caught in between two, life and death. Heaven and being with Jesus or staying and ministering the gospel. You may be here today and you say, preacher, I'm not really sure that I'm saved. You're caught between two. Life and death in a different situation. Death, for those who do not know Christ, means hell is your home. But Christ has provided the way he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. And through repenting of our sin and placing our faith and trust in Christ, we can know him. We could know then where we'll spend eternity. We could then know that same conflict that Paul is experiencing. I want to be with Jesus. And I want to stay. I want to stay here. Life and death was a conflict for him. God was not going to take Paul early. He didn't get to make the choice. We do not either. God was not going to finish, uh, take the apostle Paul until he was finished with him. He's not going to take us until he's finished with us and the ministry that we, he's given us as well. But you and I need to set our affections on things above. We need to live down here even as we're going and ministering down here in the days that God has left for us. I think of the Lord Jesus in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. He says this in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. God will not take us till he's finished with us, until we've accomplished the work that he's given us to do. Paul was the same. We're to live daily for Jesus, to see other people come to Jesus Christ, to see other people growing in their relationship with Christ. Paul could say then, I'm caught in between. I'm caught in the middle. I'm caught in the middle between life and death. But he said, for me to live is Christ. What, how would you fill that out? For, for me to live or for you to live is what? 
Is it Christ? Today, I pray that each one of us would set our affections on things above. That we would live with a heavenly point of view. That we'd realize that God has got a place for us. I love it. I, I love singing songs about heaven. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And a lot of those spiritual songs are about heaven. I love singing about heaven. But I'm looking forward to going there one day. And to seeing Jesus Christ face to face. Paul caught in the middle. But ministering faithfully for Jesus. And God is glorified. When you and I take as what he said in this passage of scripture, God is glorified in our lives as we look at the end of verse 20 of chapter 1. He says, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. I'm going to make God look good, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I should choose, I want or I know not. For I'm in a strait between two. I'm caught in the middle. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Caught in the middle but always keeping a single-minded focus. His life was all about Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we find ourselves sometimes caught in the middle. I pray that today our focus would be upon things above. That Christ would have the preeminence. That's the theme verse of Crossroads. That Christ might have first place in everything in our life. Help us to be able to say for me to live as Christ. And I pray that we would desire to see others grow, ourselves grow spiritually. And to give the gospel so others can be saved. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.